You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Title of my message this morning is Whip It. Whip It. Whip It Good. It is so good to see the Millers here this morning. You guys have been at Awakened for a decade or more, long time. 12 years, so good to see you. Are you just here on vacation? A little, yeah, just getting away, getting to the mountains. So good to see you guys. Brought your knees, so good to see you guys. Uh, I think Kelsey and the band went backstage. I'll give them a word next week. Next week, next service, next service. So uh, it's my privilege to be uh, up here speaking today. Um, Pastors Matt and Loren Tuggle, you guys are just the best. You guys are the best. I'm not, I'm not a flattering type of a person. If I don't think something, I just won't say it. But truly, you guys are amazing leaders. You're amazing pastors. You're amazing communicators. And it's Lauren and I's privilege to follow you and to be led by you guys. We love you so much. Can we honor our pastors? Yeah. And then I've got my beautiful wife on the front row. You better watch out because pretty soon she'll be up here speaking and bringing the fire. And it won't feel as good, but yet it will uh, as maybe what I say today. So we're in, our, we're in our Let Us Pray series, our Let Us Pray series. And I thought that um, really quick, um, you know, just define what is prayer. Like, what is prayer? There's so many uh, religious thoughts and ideas about what prayer is, right? You've got to say things a certain way, do things a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. Use certain words. Maybe, maybe you feel like you have to end every one of your prayers with, you know, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen, in order for God to hear your prayers. There's so many uh, misconceptions. I just actually came up with this, though, on my own. So, uh, you know, th- this isn't like from Oxford Dictionary or anything. But I just said, what is prayer? Communicating with God. Talking and listening. I used, to th- I used to end my definition of prayer there. What is prayer? It's talking and listening. It's talking to your best friend. It's listening to your best friend. It's talking to your father. It's listening to your father. It's having a conversation. It's communicating about whatever it is you want to talk about. The good, the bad, the ugly, the highs, the lows, the dark, the light, everything in between, God wants to hear from you. But since I've been at Awaken, my definition has expanded. So I I wrote, prayer is this, communicating with God, talking and listening, and accessing supernatural power, the authority he's given us to bring heaven, his will, to earth. So prayer is like a twofold thing. That's not my message, but I'm just like, let's define what prayer is, okay? Okay. I'll tell you a story about a really powerful uh, prayer moment that I had. I was 19 years old. I was fresh out of drug and alcohol rehab. 
actually a couple years out of drug and alcohol rehab. And uh, the whole story, yeah, another time we'll do the story. Oh, thanks, Pastor Loren. It's a wild story. Um, it's a miracle I'm here today. But uh, I was fresh out of rehab. I was an intern. I was an intern at my church in Seattle. And so I was on fire. I was radical. I was ready to go. I was ready. Like I listened to no secular music. I drank no alcohol, right? I was like, I was, I was ready to dominate. So I'm driving one day. I think I was literally driving up like a hill to a viewpoint because I was going to like go pray. Like, like I was in it. Like I was ready to go. I was probably listening to Bible on cassette too, right? As I was driving, as I was driving. Anybody ever have Bible on cassette? Cassette, cassette, cassette. Bible on cassette. Man, how did we survive? Fast forward. Rewind. I think I'm there. Oh, I passed it. And I'm driving up this hill to go to the prayer meeting, listening to Bible on cassette. And I have, uh, and, 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 I, and a bird flies in front of my vehicle, and I hit it. So what did I do? The radical 19-year-old intern. I stopped my car. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. And I get out of my car, and the bird is lying on the ground. I have killed this bird. I believe in resurrection power. You with me, Lilo? You with me? So I get down on a knee, and I lay hands on this bird. I don't know if I touched it, because I think I was smart enough to know that birds carry a lot of disease, but I may have. I may. I don't remember. But I prayed, and I said, in the name of Jesus, you will rise from the dead. And I pray. And this bird, no joke, this bird flutters. I'm serious, dead serious. And it, and it gets up. It's kind of startled. And it, it flies away, people. It flies away. But that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. It, as it's flying away, there's a tree. And it hits the trunk of the tree and falls over. That's the end of the story. Sometimes things don't go the way that you expect them to. It's just a parable of, like, if you could, like, you could receive the power of God, but if you don't got wisdom to walk it out, like, you're, you're kind of hosed. All right. John chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. The title of my message is Whip It. I haven't gotten anything to my message yet. Let me tell you the point. Here's the point of my message today. The point is Jesus is passionately committed. You need to know this. Jesus is passionately committed to driving out anything that would attempt to get in the way of your connection with him. John chapter 2 verse 13 to 17 says this. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves 
and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciple remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Or another way a translation says that is zeal for your house has consumed me. Consumed me. Let's read another version of this same story. Matthew chapter 21 verses 12 to 13 says this. Then Jesus went into the temple of God. He went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Let me pray. Father, I pray today that, God, your word would go forth. Lord, not a good idea, not funny stories, not, uh, not anything other than, Lord, exactly, 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 God, what you want to do and what you want to say in this moment to everyone that is here this morning. Father, I pray right now for open hearts. I pray for open minds. And Lord, I come against every demonic thing, every demonic lie, God, every high thing that would attempt, God, to distract from the knowledge of Jesus Christ, Lord. Let your presence, I thank you, it is thick. I thank you, God, it's full of joy and peace and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. This story of uh, Jesus cleansing the temple is uh, one of only a handful of stories that actually shows up in the Bible in all four Gospels. Uh, so what that means is like, like, like most of the things that Jesus did actually are in like a gospel or two gospels, but to be in all four, uh, it's intentional. It's very intentional by God to put it there. It's like pay attention, right? If you, if you never read Matthew, at least you've read John, right? The, the chapter we tell everyone that gets saved, hey, read the book of John. I'll tell you what you need to know about Jesus. If you don't read John or Matthew, at least you've read Luke or Mark, right? So this story is in all four gospels. So what that means is pay attention, so I have no points today. The media team was very happy with the level of effort that I required from them. This is it. That's it. That's it. But what I'm going to do, what I want to do is I just want to go through some observations from this story. So in verse 13 of John chapter 2, it says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. What you need to know is nothing Jesus ever did was by accident. Timing was always perfect. The Passover represented the sacrifice that he would eventually make so that people could experience connection with God. So imagine this, Jesus is in Jerusalem during the Passover. The Passover is where they're gonna kill the lambs. They're gonna kill the sheep. They're gonna put the blood on the doorposts and on the top of it, representing the blood of Jesus himself there, his blood 
that would need to be put over people's lives so that the angel of death would pass over them. It's from the book of Exodus. So imagine being Jesus. You're there in the temple at Passover. This big sacrifice is happening, and you know that you're actually the fulfillment of that. Like you're actually the one that's gonna stop the sacrifice because you're gonna do it once and for all, for all time. And um, you're in the temple. And you're really irritated. You're really agitated because you see things happening that you don't like. Verse 14 says, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves. I thought this was interesting that there was oxen, sheep, and doves. Oxen, uh, represents strength. It's a representation of strength. But actually the symbol for the ox can also be the symbol for the father. You look at the sheep, the sheep, it's obvious one, Jesus was the lamb of God. And then the doves, we know the story of Moses. He sent the dove out, it didn't come back. The dove represents the Holy Spirit. So you can see a type here and a parallel of they were selling the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Religion will always try to get you to settle for a counterfeit. Like whatever Jesus was experiencing and whatever he saw as he walked into the temple that day, it made him really upset. Religion will always try to get you to settle for a counterfeit. If someone ever tells you that you need to talk to me or you need something from me in order to experience God, no, that is not God. You have full access to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. No counterfeits, no counterfeits. Verse 14, the second half of it says, and the money changers doing business. Listen, religion will try to get you to conform. Here's what I mean by that. Before you could purchase an animal, okay. So at the Passover, there would be 300 to 400,000 Jews coming into, come, people coming into Jerusalem for the Passover. 300 to 400,000 people. And before, so they would be coming from different countries. And before you could purchase a animal for the sacrifice, an oxen, a sheep, or a dove that we just talked about, you actually had to change your foreign currency to the Jewish shekel so that you could actually purchase it. And one of the reasons that Jesus got so upset is because the money changers were actually taking advantage of all of these pilgrims that were traveling because they weren't giving them a one-to-one -one ratio. It wasn't a fair exchange. It wasn't one for one. It wasn't, hey, I'm gonna give you two of these coins from my country and you're gonna give me two Jewish shekels. It wasn't like that. It was like, hey, I'm gonna give you two of my coins but then you're gonna charge me interest and you're gonna make it really, really expensive for me to simply worship and sacrifice to my God. And that's part of the reason that Jesus was getting so upset. But the lesson from this section of this story is that religion, ah! I like, honestly, I yeah, whip it, whip it, whip it good. Religion 
will always want you to conform to its method, but it will always take more than it gives. It will always take more than it gives. I'm telling you what, if you're coming into the house of God, if you're coming into church and you're feeling like you're, you're, or you're having conversations with someone who claims to be spiritual or whatever, but you leave every single one of those interactions just feeling depleted, right? Like, man, I just really gave a lot, but I just feel like I got took. I just feel like I just was, I gave more than I got. Religion will always want you to conform. It wants to conform, you to conform to its method, but it will take more than it gives. Verse 15, and this is my favorite part. It's, it's kind of like this. I had my thing I wanted to talk about, but then this whole story like opened up like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But here's the main, main, main thing kind of. All right. When he had made a whip of cords. Ah. You guys. No, just like, is this, there's no revelation here. Like, think about it. This is Jesus. Like, what version of Jesus do you have in your mind? Like, he's walking into the temple during the Passover. And he doesn't like what he sees. And so he stops everything he's doing and makes a whip. He made it. He didn't say, Peter, go get me a whip. You know, Judas, I, you've probably got a whip in your back pocket. So can I have your whip? Can I borrow your whip? No. It says Jesus made a whip. He stopped everything he was doing and made a whip. And I, I read some commentators who were like, well, you know, Jesus didn't condone violence. He didn't condone violence. So the whip was actually just for the oxen and the sheep. It wasn't for the people because Jesus would have never wanted to whip people. But it doesn't say that. It says, it, do, it doesn't say that. It says, when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. So Jesus made a whip, a scourge. It was painful and he used it against people that were taking advantage of other people that were trying to get in the way of the people that were trying to have an authentic connection with God. And it wasn't okay. Made him mad. Made him mad. So violent, Jesus. I want to talk to you about the 11th commandment this morning. I'm just kidding. Maybe not. I'm going to say all sorts of things to rustle religious feathers. Because I'm telling you this. Salt Lake City campus. You know what we are? We're the freedom campus. We're the Freedom Campus. We're going to set the pace in this entire movement of what it looks like for Christians that break out of a religious spirit into freedom. Freedom Campus. So the 11th commandment. Man. 
Ephesians 4.26, don't worry, I didn't give you guys the scripture. Ephesians 4.26 says this. It says, be angry. Do not sin. It doesn't say, be angry, but don't sin. It doesn't say, be angry, make sure not to sin. It says, be angry and what are you angry about this morning? Jesus got angry that there was people and things standing in the way of his kids having an authentic connection with him. If you want to find what the purpose of your life is, stop and think about what makes you really mad. When you look out at the world, when you live your life day to day, what is it that drives you absolutely crazy? That very well may be the key to the thing that you're supposed to begin to solve the problem to bring God's kingdom to earth. Jesus was angry. He didn't sin. If you guys can put up 1 Corinthians 3.16, I need to get to my point. 1 Corinthians 3.16. You got 1.16? I'll just read it. If you guys get it in a second, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And that the spirit of God dwells in you. Jesus is making a whip of cords for your life. And he wants to drive out anything and everything getting in the way of your connection with him. You are the temple. And Jesus today, through the Holy Spirit, is walking through your courts. He's not mad at you. There's nothing in this story that talks about Jesus being mad at the sinners, being mad at the, at the adulterers, being mad at the liars, being mad at, there's nothing in the story. He's walking through your temple today and he's looking for those flipping money changers, those thieves and robbers trying to sell oxen, sheep, and doves. And he has sat down and he is making a whip that is custom programmed for your life to do everything that needs to be done in order for you to experience him to the fullest level. The Bible says that he used ropes. It says he used ropes. It says he used cords. So if you pull up verse 15 again, guys, when he had made a whip of cords, <clears throat> the cords, if you look up that word, it means ropes. And here's the thought. What had previously had you bound, he's gonna use to set you free. The cords, he made the whip of ropes. The ropes that have held you down, 
the ropes that have tied you up, the ropes that have limited you in your life that you thought, God, when can I ever get over this thing? God, when I, he's taking those very, church, he's taking those very things in your life and he is going to use them to bring you a greater level of freedom in him. Yeah. All things work together for good. Verse 15 says this, he poured out the changers' money. Poured out, I can see these money changers freaking out. He poured out their money. And I picture him pouring it out and it just scattering these coins and the money all over the ground. And the revelation from that is what you've spent on wasted religion, God's gonna restore. Because I see some of these pilgrims, they see the money and it's like, oh, there's my money back. There's my money back. In fact, I might even take a little bit extra because that was the money changers. The money he's gonna pour out, what you've spent on wasted religion, God is gonna make available to you again to be restored to you. And then he overturned the tables. My, oh my, the statement is how the tables have turned. That statement means to reverse one's position. This isn't Hebrew or Greek, okay, people? This is, the old, this is the Old English Dictionary. The statement, turn the tables, to reverse one's position relative to someone else. The OED says, especially by turning a position of disadvantage into one of advantage. To cause a complete reversal of the state of affairs. I'm telling you today, today in God's house, Jesus wants to cause a complete reversal of the state of affairs. Let me tell you where I get that from the Bible. Esther 9.1 says this, on the day that the enemy of the Jews, enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, the opposite occurred. The tables were turned in that the Jews themselves overpowered those who hated them. Jesus is turning the table. Verse 16 says this, and he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. I thought it was interesting that Jesus addressed the oxen and the sheep separately from the doves. He addressed the oxen and the sheep separately. He said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. You look at that word merchandise, it means a mart. A mart. Like a supermarket. Related to the Holy Spirit. Because he's talking about the doves here. God does not want us picking and choosing like we're in a supermarket what we like and don't like about the Holy Spirit. Ouchie. There's two other times that it mentions the story in the Bible. Is this okay? You guys follow me? Mark 11 says this. I'm going to read it quick. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went to the temple, began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. They don't have this. Or you do. Oh, you guys are amazed. Oh, I did. I did give you that scripture. Okay. I told you I went to rehab. Short-term memory loss. Okay. Oh, cancel. I see Dr. Matt's face. 
Jesus went into the temple, began to drive out those who bought and sold the temple, overturned the tables, the money changers, the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. So this is a different statement here that is, is not in any of the other uh, three stories where he says, and he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. So as you get to know me, you're going to know that I'm going to want to know what is a ware. What is a ware? A ware is this. It means a vessel, an implement, equipment, or an apparatus. Here's the revelation. There are certain issues in your life that aren't going to be fixed by anything man can come up with. There are certain things where Jesus is the only answer. He would not allow anyone, Jesus would not allow anyone to carry equipment, instruments, implements, an apparatus through the temple. He, look at yourself as the temple. You are the temple. There's certain things where Jesus is going to say, no, you don't need that. You don't need that person. You don't need that course. You don't need that good idea. You just need me. You just need me. You just need me. And today, I believe that there's issues and things in our lives that we know are getting in the way of our connection with God. Maybe it's a fear. Maybe it's an insecurity, whatever that may be person, a thing, a job, whatever. And we've been trying to figure out, we've been maybe going to friends, which isn't a bad thing, right? Hey, what, what is this? And we're Googling it, right? How do I deal with this thing? How do I get over? How do I fix this problem? And there's issues today that the revelation right now that's coming to some of you is I need to stop looking to people that are carrying, trying to carry equipment through my temple, trying to fix me with their good ideas and their strategies. And I just need to get on my knees and lift up my hands and begin to say, Jesus, you and only you can fix this thing today. Come on. It's interesting that in three of the four stories where Jesus drives people out of the temple, again, remember, you are the temple. In three of the four stories, he says, it is written. It is written. It is written. And you see this again when Jesus was tempted in the desert. But how, again, it's not just passion. It's not just violence. It's using the word of God. It's using the word of God. Again, for your life, I would encourage you that as you pray, as you wait on God, as you read the Bible, allow the word of God to become your weapon. If even Jesus used the word to drive out the things in the temple that were never meant to be there in the first place, if even Jesus did that, how much more should we as well lean in to the word of God to get rid of those things in our heart and our lives?
And then two of the stories say this, he began to drive out. Two of the stories say he drove out. Two of the stories say he began to drive out. And so be patient with yourself. Be patient with the process. If everything that you're believing God for does not happen in a moment, you need to know that no matter what you're feeling, Jesus has begun to drive out everything that does not belong in your temple. Why don't we stand to our feet and uh, as we pray, you stand to your feet a little early, but you can stay standing. I just want to give you a couple practical things, a couple practical things. Hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully this will be more helpful. When it comes to prayer, I want to encourage you in this way. As you approach God in your simple communication with him, talking and listening, and then changing the world through supernatural power and all that, Pour out your heart to him. Psalm 62 verse eight talks about that, pouring out your heart. Pour out your heart. This is the Freedom Campus. We are the church. Now listen, pastors Matt and Loren can get up and correct me and say, no, we're actually this kind of a camp. I'm just saying today we're the Freedom Campus. It's part of our DNA. When you approach God, pour out your heart. He doesn't want to hear your platitudes. And I don't even know exactly what that word means, but it seemed like it fits. But what I believe it means is essentially the things that you feel like you're supposed to say, but really don't mean anything from your heart. He doesn't want to hear that. You don't need to um, end every prayer. Within the name of Jesus Christ, we say these things. Listen, there's a spirit of religion over this region. And so even as a born again, set free Christian, there's gonna be a residue that tries to stick to you. Or maybe you came out of a religious environment. And so you're gonna, there's gonna be things related to prayer and life in God that you're gonna feel like, hey, this is just how I'm supposed to do it. And if I don't, God may not listen to me. Or if I say things a certain way, then God's more likely to listen to me. He's your father. He wants to hear anything you have to say. And the most precious things to him are the things that you're actually afraid to tell him. The things that you have a question mark, ah, should I say that? That's actually the stuff that's most precious to him. I promise you. Get honest with God. Here's some practical prayer things. Ask him questions and then give him the opportunity to respond. I do that when I lead worship often. God, what do you want to do this week? Let him talk. He's the living God. Sometimes you just got to wait in silence like Samuel. He said, speak, Lord, 
your servant hears. Your servant is listening. These are practical prayer. As we go home today and through this week, just change it up. Change it up and catch yourself. If you're using these and thous and shalls and shouts and all of that, stop it. Like, don't talk like that. Nobody talks like that anymore. When you pray, read the Bible. That can be really inspiring. You can just catch a wave and just begin to just stick on a verse and speak in tongues if you don't already. If you're not filled with the Spirit, you can come forward this morning. Ministry team will lay hands on you and uh, get filled with the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Pray out loud. Sometimes if you're just too quiet and you're sitting down, like me, you fall asleep. Yeah, true story. Yeah, Andy Pugh. No condemnation. But pray out loud. Sometimes you got to walk around. Go walk around. Take a walk around your neighborhood. And look around. Look at the beauty. Think about how big he is, but yet how close he wants to be. Worship and adore him. Just tell him he's awesome. I love you, Jesus. You're so good. Like, God, I love you. Pray for other people. Sometimes the best thing you can do is get your eyes off yourself and just begin to pray for other people. Pray for your friends, your family, your boss. Pray for your enemies. Lump those coal of fire on their heads. Listen, don't limit the place or the time. You can pray in your car. You can pray in the shower. You can pray at your desk. You can pray wherever you want. Don't limit the place or time where you can pray. I think there's a thing where a lot of people feel like, hey, if I don't wake up early in the morning and pray to God, then it's like, all right, we'll try again tomorrow. Listen, Jesus is just as interested in hearing from you at 10 a.m., at 12, at 5 p.m., at 10 p.m., as he is at 5 a.m. I'm not saying there's not something to start in your day with a focus and giving him your, there's something amazing about that. But if you miss that, don't limit yourself to a place or a time. Make a habit of talking to God. Just talking to him. Like Pastor Matt Tuggle. How amazing is that? Holy Spirit speaks to him, right? Ask for it for free. God, I pray you'd give this to me for free. I'm, and the next thing you know, he's got the $70 plant for free. That's an amazing story. But it's just making a habit. Listen, your relationship with God doesn't have to be like, a, like an in and out kind of a thing, right? Oh, I'm now focused on you, Jesus. All my mental power is on you. Okay, back to real life. Back. Let's get back to life, right? Can I eat my, eat my breakfast? Like, just make it a habit. Just talk to him. Tell him, ask him questions. I'm telling you, that's what God wants. The whole point, the whole point, the whole point of everything is that we would walk with him in a garden of blessing and fruitfulness. That's getting a little fruitful. Okay, moving on from that. Give God space and time to lead and impress. Ask big, knock, keep on knocking, pray with other people. Okay. Here's the call. You guys are awesome. Thank you for listening to me this morning, listening to Jesus. Why don't we close our eyes? 
And anyone on the worship team, if you guys need to respond to this, other than Kellen, because I don't know what we do without the keyboards. I'm just kidding, Kellen. Just close your eyes. And this is the call. If you feel, now listen, this is the non, this is the freedom campus. So when I say what I'm about to say, if the thought comes up in your mind, well, what will other people think? And then it prohibits you from responding. You need to know that that is a spirit of religion operating in your temple. Okay. When we're all, we've all been there. If you feel like you've allowed, and again, God's not angry at you. He's angry at the things that are hindering his connection with you. If you feel like you've allowed anything, anything in your life, religious spirit, let's focus on the religious spirit. If you believe there's been a religious thing inside of you, around you, on you, just impacting you that has hindered your connection, your unfettered, wide open connection to Jesus. I want you just to put a hand in the air. Just put your hand in the air. You feel like there's been any type of a religious thing that has been impacting you and, and, and hitting that let me pray. You can put your hands down. Thank you, Jesus. God, today, I thank you, Father, that this is the Freedom Campus. And Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you are making a whip out of the cords in our lives that have held us bound. God, you are now taking those very things and you are turning them around for good. And so I declare today in the name of Jesus, God, that every religious spirit, every high thing, every lie, every demonic thing, God, that has tried to keep the people of this church, God, and the people of Salt Lake City, God, from experiencing everything and more, Father, that you have for them in a dynamic, authentic, life-giving, life-changing, life-transforming relationship with you in the name of Jesus. Father, we come against those things and we drive them out in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we declare freedom today, freedom today, freedom today, joy in the house, peace in the house, release in the house, freedom in the temple, in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, come on, amen, and gave God a mighty shout of praise. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.